From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 228, and today I'm joined by Ryan Goldhar. Ryan is a talent agent at the Characters Agency, as well as an executive producer and producer of films. He's worked on my films, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town, as well as Sex After Kids. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we are sitting down to watch Hellraiser. I am Jeremy, and I have not seen this film. I'm Ryan, and I have not seen this film, although... Probably said I had a hundred times. Oh yeah, I I know I haven't. This I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little terrified to watch this movie. This is one of those movies that I kind of I didn't necessarily avoid because I don't think there was ever an opportunity where it was presented to me to watch. But I had this weird relationship with horror films because my older cousin kind of tortured me a little bit right. and uh, threatened like Jason and Freddie and all these other characters on me when I misbehaved when she babysat me to the point where it's an ugly dark thing that I don't want to talk about because it'll upset me but I apologize but I'm one of those kids who who were with my sister and I would put knives in our fingers and then go to my eldest sister and say Freddy's coming to get you and scare the crap out of me and she would like run from us that's the level we're the younger kids yeah 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 no we were we were cruel with that but horror I loved horror yeah so so that, but then I remember, I just remember the Hellraiser poster. Yeah. With, I think, I want to say the guy's name is Pinhead. Yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah. That, I think that's the character's name. Yeah. Um, and just thinking that was a terrifying image, and I don't know anything about it. To the, to the point where my son was thinking of joining us tonight, and he's like, we should look up information. I'm like, I don't want to. I want. I want to go in like completely I clear, free and clear of any expectation. Literally, all I know is that what that the pinhead guy looks like, and that's all I know about this series. And that's the image, and it's and it's become such an iconic image, of course, because this spawned sequels and and so on. But really, it, it, without knowing a thing about this, I only have the image of of that character. Maybe a couple of stills from in picture. But zero idea what the movie's about. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. it's... So, uh, I mean, Hellraiser. I, I assume there's demonic things go at play. Yeah. I assume someone makes a pact with some kind of demonic character and it, yeah. goes, it goes awry. I'm just guessing based on title. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I'm just excited to see this. Yeah, I don't I, even I, know... I brought can... it up because of all the horror franchises and so on, I mean, I... I, I ate up the Halloweens and the Freddies, like in the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets and, yep, and, same. The, and the Yeah, eventually the I got 13th, around to them and I really liked them. Even to the point of Friday the 13th, Friday's Curse the Series, which is not even remotely scary. It's more like a really cheesy uh, Twilight Zone slash Night Gallery. And then he, like, like, New Nightmare was like the most meta weird movie. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, this might be, uh, without pulling up a list and, and double-checking it, might be, like, the last of the big 80s franchises I haven't seen one of. Well, fair enough. I just watched Pumpkinhead last week. Right. Uh, which is kind of a franchise. I think they made... Yeah, they made a couple. I think yeah. they made two or three. And uh, so it's a franchise. So this might be the last one that I can think of, unless I'm missing something. I'm I'm going into, like... And I'm just quickly scanning Clive Barker's resume, only for the sense that, in my head, he's just one of those writer-directors, and apparently the volume on my iPad is on, uh, that I was sure that I knew more about his library than I do. And I don't. Like, I know some of the titles, but haven't seen them. I've read Clive Barker's stuff, like comics that have been ad- adaptated. Right. But never into actual watching them. Well, there's so and much... not by choice. Yeah, because, I mean, 80s was the boom of, like, the VHS, and, 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 you know, so many companies came out that basically just created box art yeah. and then hired filmmakers to make films that could go inside of it. You know? So there's so... And especially because... You know, they realized horror was one of those genres that, oh, you don't even need to cast name actors. As long as you've got some gore, probably some nudity, um, and a couple of these other things, you you got enough. Like, that's all you need, right? Well, there's a there's a formula, right? There always has to be a sex scene. There always has to be a damsel running almost topless. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to assume this movie is uh, very unflattering to female characters. <laughs> I'm going to assume it may be even be mildly racist in, in moments. I'm going to assume that it's going to be uh, just one of those kind of movies because it's 80s and, uh, and, and of all that other stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm, prepared, I'm mentally preparing myself for, for that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, why don't we dive in? I, I'm very excited, but I'm also terrified. I don't want to press play. I don't want to watch this movie, but I'm going do to. Do you want to just hold hands throughout the whole thing? We, we should probably do both. Yeah. But. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. So we just finished, and that was... I don't know where to start. It, I mean... you We could like literally put this on right now and do a scene-by-scene analysis. And it will still not make any sense to me. And I still won't unpack half the things I'm thinking or feeling. Oh my god. I'm going to forget so much, because there's... It's not just like one of those things where you watch a movie and you're like, oh, I want to talk about this element and that element. It's just like, where... Uh, okay, so... Well, right off the bat, I mean, as I said like you know, at the beginning, like I don't even know... I didn't know going into this movie what it was about. And I still don't. And I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's, so there's that. Um, uh, so there's I mean, this... there's no worries about spoilers on a... Uh, a no, we're good. Almost 40-year-old movie or a 35-year-old movie. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's what we know. Because part of me appreciated that they weren't just, like, hitting us over the head with mythology. Yep. I'm sure the sequels do, because there's no way that wasn't one of the criticisms of this movie. Oh, it's like, yeah, it doesn't give enough background on these uh, terabytes. Uh, Cinnabites. Cinnabites. <laughs> um, even Cinnabites is a weird... It sounds like a cereal. Well, I'm. They, maybe there was a uh, some cross promotion at the time. Yeah, they certainly missed out. They could have had a really great cereal. General Mills presents. <laughs> yeah, they, you, General Mills, call us. We have ideas. Yeah. Uh, so there's this box that apparently is only sold through this old Asian man 
who hates people. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, and and you don't really. I mean, you're supposed to assume based on a strange accent, but other than that, you never see always in shadow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, it seems that he only sells it to the same person because I'm quite certain that, that didn't know. It looked like it, it looked like another Frank type person. Yes, it's uh, always a Frank with dirty fingernails that will pay cash for this box. So, okay. So it says that you summoned us. Like he, you know, and... Well, the box is apparently something that opens doors and it can be to anywhere. So he even said heaven or hell or... Yeah, we only see... Hell. Yeah. Or variations. I was assuming she, when the the daughter opened it up, we would have seen like... Because it's... it emanated different colored sparks at first. Right. Like they're like pink or purple. Pink, kinda. purple, yeah. Then different the than the blue. The evil blue that they'd established. Right. But the world she goes to is different than where they're from. I'm pretty sure of that. Because it was a secondary door that brought that. But it also brought them out too. So it's an adjacent door. It's, it's still part. Adjacent. It's part of the hell. Yes. Uh, okay. I mean. But aside from that, that is like so far. Like that's. Like, three quarters into the movie before you get to that part, really. Yeah. It's... So we have to... So this guy, Frank... Uh, this box? Not a great guy. Uh, banged his... Uh, his Future sister-in-law. Future sister-in-law. Who... Again, we're just going to jump over the place because it's there's so much to unpack here. So we learn well, every through... Every pose out of a, an episode of Dynasty... Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Yeah. So a poor man's Diane Weist yeah. is uh, is who this lead actress is. Uh, is a great breather, by the way. The scenes where she just emanates deep breathing through seeming arousal is phenomenal. So we get this weird sequence where she's remembering Frank seducing her. Uh, Upon first meeting her. Immediately. Yeah. Seems like she gave in real quick to Frank. And and also, I mean, as much as there was some chemistry, it was also very rapey. Super rapey. Creepy. Super rapey. This thing he did with his finger, which comes back around when he's this creature thing. But he needs his switchblade in order to get off, I guess. She seemed complacent at that point. Oh, no, I'm saying. The like switchblade was, was unnecessary. Yeah. But it did not not turn her on. Anyway, yeah, so she... Has she's having this memory of super hot sex with Frank, who as, likes to collect photos of all the women he's had these scenes with, but who takes the photo? That's just it. The photos are clearly from a third party, yeah, who is not present. Or he gets up, runs to the cameras, turns on the timer, and then runs back into position. And it's a really sexy pose. Always a sexy pose, whether it's in behind or whatever. Yeah. So. They juxtapose this with the husband and the movers who are having a real difficult time moving this mattress. That's right. Uh, and that and that was the most terrifying part of the movie. That night, like just that nail sticking out. I was like, because yeah. as a human being who lives in the real world, that's right. You, you I, have the the imminence of a tetanus shot. I was like, oh, that's gonna hurt. Like I can, I know what that would feel like. I, I don't know what it feels like to have my flesh ripped from like little fishing hooks. Or big fishing They, they hooks. weren't little. That's right. Yeah. But I, I, I know what the nail thing. So for me, that's far more torturous. <laughs> so, and then he gushes, gushes blood all over the attic floor. Which then seeps in 
into the floor and brings forth Frank back from hell. Yeah. So, again, they're not giving us a lot. So we have this, like, flashback. And not flashback. I guess it's chronological. So Frank gets this box. I'm curious as to... So Frank has to absorb blood in order to come back, right? Like, he's... The, yeah, the, the blood that Larry, his brother, drops all over the, the ground, seeps into the floor and brings back Frank. Now, there is a procession, which I guess we'll get to, which is in order to bring back Frank fully, he needs blood. He yeah. needs human blood to... Yeah, he's like Audrey too. That's right. He's like, just feed me. Yeah. Uh, but he comes back pretty big from just the hand drops Yeah, Frank. That's but then takes a long time between fully formed and skin. The human body is a complex thing. Oh, I know because he's absorbing on. full yeah. bodies. Oh, after. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It it's inconsistent, and and you know he lies to her. He's like maybe one or two more per- people. It's it's oh, it's like five. Yeah, it's about five. Yeah, but you know we need a body count, so I, I'm 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 fine with that. That Fair said, enough. yeah, it doesn't. I mean. It's not tracking in terms of the amount of blood they need versus what it actually brings back. But so this thing, people are chasing after this thing because it either brings forth like pure heaven or pure hell, like some kind of. But even he, like Frank says, I didn't care. He really enjoyed it. Yes. Like he seemed to get off on the fact that he was being ripped to shreds. Um, that said, you know, to, to give the, the movie credit where the credits do, the, the creature effects are phenomenal. Oh, for the practical effects, everything. Like, it's like, we live in a world where now everything is CG. CGI. And now the only CG that is involved in that is the sparks. Everything yeah. else is practical. Yeah, you can tell the CG in this movie. Sure. It's not good. Uh, but all the practical effects are phenomenal. Like, just Frank coming back that first time, it's all stop motion. That's right. But it doesn't feel like bad stop motion. It's really seamless. Yeah. It's super well done. Uh, bringing this creature back into a human form slowly, you know, the skin, the brain peeling building itself back onto a scalp and, and then the brain build, you're right. And then as he progresses closer to human form, every stage of him, uh, other than very blatant Vaseline covering as goo, uh, was really, really cool looking. Yeah, and clear, but you know what's fascinating? So it's a different actor that played Frank the Monster versus Frank the Creepy Sex Guy. Right. Why? Contractually, he didn't want to be covered in goo? Or, I mean, also, I mean, he's, also he wasn't a great actor. <laughs> the guy who played Frank uh, and the guy that played Frank the Monster was arguably better. Well, it's probably why. But maybe not, probably it wasn't like some kind of smokescreen hottie, maybe. He was covered. He was yeah. That's like we're not going to waste this good-looking actor, this model guy that we hired as good-looking Frank to have sex with, uh, with uh, you know, bad Diane Weist, uh, and then and then so you get a competent actor to play the monster. He was pretty good. Yeah, he was probably the best actor in the whole movie. Oh, for sure. Um, oh, other than Steve, the boyfriend of the daughter. Uh, his skill in the ability of flipping the cigarette in and out of his mouth. I was tr- trying to remember who that actor reminded me of. He was almost like, um, uh, oh, Steve Gutenberg. Like, he reminded me of a really young Steve Gutenberg at one point. I think they probably would have comparatively been the same age in that movie. When we first, like yeah, I know. I know. When we first met him, like, again, super inappropriate 
not quite rapey, but kind of rapey. Like the uh, he meets him. I, they're also, at, they're at a dinner party. They're at a weird dinner party for their at their house. It's unclear his relation to other people in this dinner party. Did she just invite him? Was he there with some of those other adults? I think maybe he's the child of he's the other son? couple. Because it seemed like that's how they met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he makes... The daughter says something about how, oh, uh, uh, don't yeah, give wine. me another drink. Yeah. I won't be able to stand. And he's like, how would you lie down? And all the other adults are super into that joke. Oh, yeah. They're all giggling. They and, they all have a grin on their faces. Including, that's absolutely normal. Yeah, including her dad. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> boys will be boys. Yeah. Although, so, not nearly as much nudity as I expected. In oh, fact, there's almost, almost none. none. No, there's just a lot of boob grabbing. Yeah. Like, I mean, but it's all over the camisole. No, it's just, there's just that one uh, at the end of the, the very erotic sex scene where, like, there's that moment where we just see bums and backs. Right. But with, that's it. With Frank and uh, our Diane Weist counterpart. What a. So yeah, so the the rules of this world are very unclear. I don't As even is know the the trade of thought of this conversation. Yeah, we're all over the place. I apologize, but you know we're we're just trying to figure out what the fuck we just watched. So how? So Pinhead, who we who we didn't mention, is not credited as Pinhead He's here. Lead Cinnabite. Lead Cinnabite. So I assume based Again, on a delicious breakfast cereal that that the name Pinhead solely came from. The fan base of this movie. Yeah, sounds that that tracks. Yeah. So he they are the Cinnabites whoever called them that, call us. We've got better ideas. Um I'm assuming it's Clive Barker. <laughs> yeah, Clive, give us a call call. Uh I'm still I'm just processing. I know. Okay. Well what I find so, interesting is is like this is the poster of this film, right? The Cinnabites are the poster of the film. Yeah, they spend maybe 10 minutes in it. They're barely in this film. So I guess in a sense for suspense and the want to absorb and get more of them, less was more. Yeah, for this. Also, you got to imagine those effects. Like 90% of the budget of this movie went towards those them yeah. and their costumes and all that kind of stuff. Right. It and certainly didn't go to the cast. Or the lighting. Um, what was I going to say so the uh, oh so Frank is killed by the Cenobites as they do right ripped apart to shreds he opened Uh, the box he summoned them they killed him yeah but yet he's magically found a way to come back where the Cenobites it's never it's kind of established that this is not a thing that happens regularly. That, that you can escape from them. The Cenobites are confused by and this. And they didn't know. Yeah. There's a lot to just figure out how that magically happened. Other than the fact that clearly he did this ritual inside the attic. So his remains were like the... But then when the box got closed, it seemed like everything vanished. It all went away, including like all like, you know, like... Uh, Traces evidence of, of yeah of it. So how did the blood like trickle onto something that I just don't understand how the rules? Although there were shots, I guess, of like underneath the floorboards where there was like living parts of the house. Like, yeah, I, I guess the heart was sort of dangling from some sinewy, muscly tears. Yeah, yeah I, they showed that, but again, it's like everything vanished like that. That's right. So technically, that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. 
I'm very confused by the rules. And how does it get under the wood? It's not like it just like absorbs through it, right? It's the, like it's because it's not like the Cenobites would have left it there because they wouldn't want Frank to have the ability to come back. That's right. Anyway, the rules of this world super confusing for me. Uh, I think that they just sort of went with it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. This movie was not made because they're like, hey, I got a great story to I mean, tell. I know that Clive Barker gets written and directed by credit, but I think it's just directed by. I don't think it was written at all. Yeah, he directed the hell out of this. I think this just happened. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's so, I mean, I'm very curious what happens in the sequels, just in terms of, is there more screen time with the Cenobites? I I they expect explore? there probably is. I think that it probably explores that world. Yeah, I gotta hope that they they explore the the heaven version at some point. Because um, otherwise, why keep going after this box if people only get? Because how does also how does Frank? I'm I'm just curious how word of mouth about this box spreads. That's right. I mean, unless it's like. The ancient Pandora's box, and maybe that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to represent, you know, it's something you shouldn't open. That's right. Yeah, uh, but it's like people, word obviously spread, so someone had to have had some kind of positive experience. That's Rufus in the background. Are you hearing snoring? snoring? It's amazing. Oh, he doesn't mess around. I just petted him, he didn't stop. That is an out cold dog. Yeah, so when, it's, well, the movie kept him awake. There was <laughs> the, the score. That is a tired dog. They can sleep through that. So you got to imagine, you know, some people have had positive experiences with this box, and that's how word spreads around. Because otherwise, it's just this seemingly Asian man saying, "Hey, you wanna, you want a great trip?" Hey, it's like this box will take you places, uh, cash only, and uh, we'll go from there. Although, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it looked like American dollars he was handing over in stacks. This is funny. Uh, the Chatterer and Butterball Cenobites had dialogue in the original script. However, when their makeup made coherent speech impossible, the lines were given to female Cenobite. And especially Pinhead, which helped cement his trademark as the film's as the film's main character. But apparently there there might be more More Cenobites? Well not more Cenobites, but just the, those four main ones, like the the guy that with just the teeth. Yep. That looked kinda like alien. Yep. Uh, and they were all the dialogue was supposed to be spread around them more evenly. And then the one that looked like Earthworm Jim with a tongue. Yeah, yeah. I would think they call him Butterball. Yeah. Uh, so those two couldn't speak because of the prosthetics, so they just split the dialogue between uh, the, the female and lead Cenobite. Yeah, she had that creepy like open throat thing. Yeah, and then held open by sort of like uh, a retainer, uh, which would normally look like it goes with braces, but around her head into the neck. And into her cheeks. This is here's the funny. I'm just looking at the IMDb trivia. During a post production rap party when filming had ended, Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead, yeah, uh, was dismayed to be ignored by other members of the crew. He thought he'd gotten on rather well with the cast and crew, and it wasn't until later that he realized that none of them had actually seen him without his makeup on. So it's really like, who the fuck is this guy sneaking in? That's the party? amazing. That's so that's amazing. Funny. So funny. Uh, the original was supposed to be called the Hellbound Heart. Oh, it's based on a novella. I'm so curious. Uh, We've got some reading to do tonight. We really do. When Clyde Barker first showed this film to his mother, she cried tears of joy upon seeing her son's name in the opening credits. 
And then walked out five minutes <laughs> later. He leaned over and whispered that that would be the happiest she would be for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fact that, like, the fact that this conversation is going the way it is right now is based on the insanity that is incoherence of however long that was, the not last 90 minutes we just spent on it. Oh, this is interesting. Doug Bradley was originally offered one of the movers' parts. You can choose either that or the lead Cinnabite. Do you want to be Cinnabite or... He almost turned it down because he thought, well, at least I'll get to have my face in the movie more. Yeah. Here's another fun... So you, you remember yeah, that... Does Doug Bradley go on to stay Pinhead for the for the, for the franchise sequels? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to guess he I did. I mean, is it like a blue man group thing where you just keep casting a similar looking guy? So do you remember that weird line where... When they're pulling out at when uh, Frank is like dying the second time, right? And he and just Jesus says, wept. Yeah, yeah. So the scripted line was simply "fuck you," and the actor convinced Clive Barker to replace it with that. It he, makes no sense. It's like just, I, mean, I told you, this film was not written; it was just directed. So the fact is, it makes perfect sense that that fell in there because he probably went. Why not? Yeah. And then edited the film. Apparently the original name for Pinhead was The Priest. Hmm. That would probably be more interesting. Well, he's got a... I guess he's got like a creepy... Well, they all do. They all wear that sort of leathery, up to the collar, like up to the neck, high collar, um, you know, outfits that are kind of futuristic. Even for modern stuff, you know, they could be right out of the Matrix at some point. Just without the uh, the pins and the... And all this stuff. Yeah, so by uh, by Hellraiser... To, yeah, so he plays the... All, he, he's consistently playing Pinhead, all it right. seems, throughout his uh, his career. So he made at least the most money out of the franchise. Assuming he got a better deal in the sequels, one would... Uh, well, I'm assu- I meant more than like Larry and Frank. Yeah. And, yeah, it looks like as of... And Joan Collins. Oh, God, he has so many self-credits. Uh, here we go. It looks like as of P- Hellraiser 2, uh, he's credited as pin- Pinhead from that point on. Technically, this uh, the sequel is called Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Right. Oh, so it's, you know, like uh, First Blood. Yeah, but then... Oh, man, on the third one, he's credited as Pinhead slash Elliot. Ooh, Elliot. I wonder if we get... Uh, we get like some background. Maybe. We get a, an origin story of how he became Pinhead. Yeah, and his name was Elliot. Or they were just like, okay, fine, you can play an actual. Maybe it's one. an ET crossover. Or he gets to play an actual. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Or he gets to play a character. I'm just curious. Okay, so here, here's what the sequel is about, according to Anonymous. <laughs> well, do we want to know? Or are we going to save this for a second episode? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is the setup. Christy is brought to an institution after the horrible events of Hellraiser. That tracks. Of course. I mean, that, I think, is exactly the same as the sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street. There's eventually a, an insane Yeah. Home. Where the cult-obsessive head doctor resurrects Julia and unleashes the Cenobites. <laughs> so Perfect. Julia comes back. Yep. I was wrong. Doug does not make the most money in this franchise. No, Julia, we still got Julia around. What a, 
Well, she was and miraculously able to come out of the hallway, stabbed and drained. See, I would holding my, the box and lying on a bed. Yeah, my guess would have been that they just would have started with a whole new group of people in right. the sequel. But it, they uh, they they bring along the rest of the. It's the next year too, so this thing must have done decent box office. And they're just like, let's just do it, crank it out Let, as wow. fast as possible. Clive, it worked the first time. Let's just do it again. Just direct. And see yeah. what happens. What are your ideas? Uh, well, uh, we, we, you know. Uh, you, know uh, you know those other sequels. Oh, okay. So in comparison, if the sequel to this is, is in a loony bin, you've got, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, also loony bin. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the third one. Not There's the quite a one. few of them where people end uh, up. Friday the 13th 4 is on a funny farm, loony bin. Friday, Freddy's Dead also takes place partially in a loony bin, I think. I mean, it's important to any horror franchise. I mean, I mean, the origin of Michael Myers is loony bin. Yeah. You know, for all of them. And it's all about the crazy. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, it's yeah. not real. No, well, I mean, and we say loony bin with, uh, you know, the comic affection because it's like, these are clearly not mental institutions. These are like very absurdly over-the-top... Uh, yeah, you know, production decorated to make it look like these are like the either the. But low this is the lingo of 1980s sure yeah, horror. Horror. This is like at any given time you will find yourself in a mental institution only inhabited by the craziest of crazies because that's and the what doctor makes, and the doctors also seem crazy. Well, <laughs> so what do they expect? Like they put the they they, they use, all the mental institutions inside these movies take place in like. Buildings that look like they should be condemned. That's right. With staff that looks like they couldn't get a job anywhere else. And did. Yeah. What are they expecting? Because you never know who's the doctor and who's the patient. Yeah. Oh, it's... I'm looking forward to watching sequels. I'm just so curious. Because I want there to be more... But the Cinnabites are... I never have to experience this again. I know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah, Like, this sure. is not an annual film. It's like, I can't wait to watch that again. I'm still going to go further back to the 70s to watch those movies than I will to watch this again. Yeah, I'm curious. But I did not enjoy it. No, no, I totally... I'm glad I watched it because now I just know. And I'm definitely very curious. I'd watch at least one of the sequels. It looks oh, like... I'd watch a sequel. I just have zero need to watch this one again. Yeah, it looks like they churned out the second one pretty quick and then the third one took about four years. So right. maybe the second one didn't... Uh... It didn't give them the same... You know, well, box office love. Well, I think what, what what you get with this one, I'm trying to think. This is like 1986, I think I read. Uh, 86 or 87, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to imagine just in terms of like the the effects in this movie, people are raving about how cool it was. For sure. Yeah, you know, people are walking out of this going, I've never seen anything like this before. We're, we're now watching this. 30 years after it's come out or, or more. The quality and horror level of this film are not nearly as bad as what's being produced on cable and television right now. That is actually scarier and more graphic. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah. This, like, this stuff they do on Walking Dead on a weekly basis is far more graphic than this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, 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 and it's yet gr- this was, you know. Groundbreaking. R-rated. You know, I mean, it wasn't triple X. It was just R rated, right? So it was 18 plus where now this is maybe AA or whatever PG 13. Yeah. It's, it's tame by today's standards to some extent. Um, 
But that said, if you look, and we're looking at it, you know, thirty-five years later, uh, it's it's impossible to to kind of realize how fresh it was at the time. Uh, you know, tame by today's standards or average by today's standards. Yeah, but it was. I mean, uh, yeah, it was. It was still enjoyable. I can see based on other movies of that time. Yeah. Um, you know, Gremlins is coming out in and around those years. Mm-hmm. Ghoulies, like all of those horror slash whatever films that are monster movies, all of the money is being put into effects, right? So all of its practical effects. I mean, even RoboCop, which is not much later than this film, nope. has the same similar style of effects in regards to uh, not just the you know the killing of uh, Alex Murphy before he becomes RoboCop, and then also uh, the goon who gets the acid all over him, and, Help me. and then he's like the 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 sort of melting guy yeah. that gets splashed over the car. So they're almost on the same level. level yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference there is they've got a decent script they're working with, right? It's, that movie is still watchable. It's great. Yeah, repeatedly. So. But what this movie gets by on is just those effects because now we're now those effects are kind of par and parcel and expected, right? So, but now it's like so for the movie to be the script's got to be up to that level too, which is good. I mean, but at this point in time, not so much. It's years after an Amityville horror, which is cinematic, dramatic, and and still has some interesting practical. That's effects. still one, that's one, another one of my black holes. Yeah. All right. Well, then there's there's another one. Because this is like trying to emulate it, but not give a shit about the quality. Yeah. And just, let's just make a movie. It's about a house. Uh, What else has a house? Exorcist has a house. All right, let's do a house. Uh, Amityville has a house. Let's do a house. Well, it's a nice container. But how do we make it more interesting? Because poltergeist happen, and that's about ghosts. So why don't we make it about demons? Cenobites. Where the fuck does that word come from? Well, I think if you get six of them, um, and then if you choose to either have more cinnamon or less, <laughs> uh, that's what the Cinnabites are from. It's so... I gotta look up the origins. Cinnabites came from Cinnabon, his favorite place to go to in the morning with a coffee. It's So it was a decision of being high. I think that was all writing in the 80s. It's all writing now, too, but... <laughs> Yeah, this was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, in the long run, my experience tonight is, this was enjoyable. I I got to experience something that, you know, and, and, and the jump cuts, the best part is all of the jump cuts that make you jump in this film are not horror. Like, it's a statue of Jesus coming out of a cupboard, you know, things like that. Okay, so here is the definition of Cenobite. A member of a religious group living together in a monastic community. That makes sense. Which calling him the priest. Yeah. Would have made perfect sense. Yeah. So if I'm like a religion scholar, I know that. If I'm any other member of the audience, not so much. All I'm thinking is now I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Now we want cinnamon buns. Now I want cinnamon buns. Uh, so, that's, so I guess the name makes sense, but it's still not a great term. There's other... It's just not creepy. No. In the way that I think it could have been. I mean, I guess had they been creepier, it could instill creepiness. The but, may, but Okay, so now we're taking into account years of technology, right? So you've got... 
a film like this is going to be shown on screens. There's no real aftermarket for, I mean, some VHS exists. You can rent it later on. Yeah. But it's not like people are buying them to have at home yet. Ah, getting closer it's on close that time. It's close to. It's yeah. about two, three years away. Um, I think about 89 is that real turning point where CDs start coming out yeah. and VHS tapes become affordable. S- affordable. Yeah, it's not just rental anymore. But the quality of what you're watching on a still a tube television with whatever the resolution is of that television, the effects are even more effective. It's true. Yeah. You well, watch in any 4K or digital now... And all effects are rendered useless. That, I will say, like, we watched this on, I would say, a 2K screener. Yeah. Um, it looked good. It looked like, good. The effects in this movie, bar none, are fantastic. So, good job for that. The Yay! rest of it, and I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm curious to, 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 to read up more about uh, just the Hellraiser and where the stories went. I don't know if I'll watch, but I'll definitely read. Um fascinating fascinating oh i'm glad i'm glad i watched it i Me was too. this is definitely one of those ones i've avoided just out of sheer uh uninterest not uninterest just more like i think retrograde terror from childhood okay but also like this was not at all what i was expecting no not even remotely it wasn't i mean again the only jumps i had were not of the horror in this film no it was just coincidental stuff yeah. Weird. The, the, the Jesus coming out of the closet was the biggest jump scare. Yeah. And it's just because of noise more than anything. It's not even what you're watching. It was just the sound and a thunk. And it was like, that's what like, oh, it's more like a shock. It's like, oh, let's, let's get you out of your seat. I mean, it's no Tyrannosaurus Rex roaring for the first time, but. No. 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 So, yeah. So for me, I'm like, I, uh. Again, I don't, I don't, re- I don't regret watching it. I don't know if I'd ever need to see it. I'm trying to think how my son would have reacted to this movie. I think uh, he'd be sleeping with your dog. No, he uh, he'd be going to bed now. But yeah, I feel like he would been have been fine with it. Yeah, I think so too. I think that the the exa- I think the sexual innuendo in the film is exaggerated more than it actually is exists. He, yeah, there would have been. We would have sat here, and he would have been saying. WTF a lot. Right. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, for an enjoyable evening, it was pretty tame. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, you know, I, I, if nothing else, I appreciate the fact that we had a whole hands drink. Yay. <laughs> and cuddled. Well, no for, cuddling. Thanks uh, for, no. No. Socially distanced cuddling. Yeah, socially distanced cuddling. We, uh, were, we were wearing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On those parts. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for Hellraiser. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.